Well, let me just say in the beginning here, um, really prayed about a message that God would want me to preach as, as I'm coming back from being gone for a couple of weeks, two to three weeks, whatever it was. And uh, just a couple of thoughts, just initially, I just want you to hear. Uh, number one, I, we could be looking at the good cop, bad cop idea, and I can be the bad cop. Pastor Joe could be the good cop. <laughs> or you could say, you know, our pastor is known for telling us the truth for all these years. And that's what I hope that you'll remember. And I, and I did reflect. And you know, it's amazing how we change a little bit. Should be changing to be more like Christ. But I was thinking back, if I were to preach this same message, if I was preaching this message probably 20, 25 years ago, I probably would be poised to do be doing a bunch of this and a bunch of that, and you could see the veins on my neck, because I'd be screaming at you. And I'd be really, and, it, and then you have to think back what y'all didn't hear at my ordination in 1975, where my pastor came and preached my ordination, and he said, Rod, feed them, don't skin them. The sheep, feed them, don't skin them. So, even though I'm going to say some things and I do not, I'm not targeting any particular person. I promise you that is not the case. But I'm just going to say some things that may be uncomfortable. I know my wife gets uncomfortable quite often. <laughs> so, but I, and that's not my heart. But I'm just going to use some illustrations and things to help us to see the importance of the point, the one point that I'm trying to get across today. And uh, so, if you would, you can turn, we can just begin in, in the Bible. If you had a, a, a Thompson, it would be a lot simpler for you, but uh, why don't you just turn to Ephesians 4.3. This is a topic that I love to go to because of the urgent need of the body being one spirit, one body, one voice, if you will. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity. Endeavoring, that's that word. If you look that up in the original language, you'll find that's, that's a word you have to put some effort into. In other words, it just unity just doesn't just happen. You have to be aware that it, you're going to have to kind of work at it. And, and in the family too, right? You have to work at it in the family. So endeavoring to keep. I see that, and, and I've, I've looked at this from all the different angles and things. Endeavoring to keep. This is like indicating something you can lose. You can forfeit unity. And it's important that we understand endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then turning your Bibles to Philippians 1.27. 1.27.
Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Your, your behavior, your demeanor, as it becometh the gospel. In other words, we're ambassadors for Christ. We need to represent Christ and the gospel. Becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent. In other words, some people do real well when Paul would be there in their presence, but then when he wasn't there, they acted a different way. And so, whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear, and it's amazing how the word does spread. Good and bad, good and bad spreads about a church. That I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, let me just insert this for today. Does that mean that you and I are always going to agree on every issue that's going on in America and in life today? Does that is that what that's saying? That we're all going to agree on everything? No. But there are some issues, scriptural truth, that we and I, you know what, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this at the end. And you might as well get your heart prepared. I'm really wanting us to do, have a stand at the end that we stand together in unity on truth. We're not going to agree on everything, but we can sure agree, can't we? Can't we agree on this book? Can't we agree that the Word of God just said that we are to endeavor to keep the unity? And that when people talk about us, as in the early church, the Apostle Paul, that I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That that would be the, the, the word that would be out on North Belt. No, they don't agree on every detail of things, but boy, they stand shoulder to shoulder. They're one in spirit. They're standing one on the truth of the Word of God. And I believe we can agree to that. And we need to be excited about what God is doing. The bottom line, I'm going to fast forward. I'm just going to tell you, my heart is evangelism. And what I'm going to say in, the, in this message if we fail in this area, I think it's going to affect our evangelistic appeal in a negative way. So, I've already greeted you. Uh, already talked about a few things. I do, I do personally thank you for your prayers uh, for our, our, our sons, our family. It, it it is unsettling, to say the least, uh, to see the ones you love uh, sick and, and having issues. It's, uh, it's a, it is very tough all around me, all around me. Uh, my hey man, 
just told me the other day, he delivers our hay. Um, he said he got it, corona, and he had ended up with pneumonia in his right lung. He said, I didn't even know I had pneumonia. He said, but I, was, I went to the doctor, they checked, and I got pneumonia. Uh, his son brought me some more hay yesterday morning, and I said, well, how'd your surgery go? Because he was going to have surgery. He said, I didn't get to have my surgery. He said, I've been in quarantine. My daughter got it. He, she's about four or five. So that family, um, so many. We just got word yesterday in the church where Julian Clint went. It's a Bible church in east of Dallas. Either members are associated with the members, closely associated. They've had three die, and one died yesterday. Now, I'm going to share, you know, in, in seminary, they said, don't share too many personal, I just can't help myself. Uh, we, uh, it was time for our annual checkup with our doctor in Baytown, the one we've been going to for about 30 years. He's our internist. So we go there and he's asking a bunch of questions. How you been? How you doing? You know, what's happening? And I gave him, I told him a few things. Uh, so he said, you know, I really think you need to go to a cardiologist and, and, and get a stress test. And I said, what? I'm out, I mean, I'm lifting, the other day I just did 20, 50-pound bags of feed and by myself and, you know, load them out of the truck and hay and stuff. And I said, I, I don't need a doctor. He said, no, I think you do. So we went to, our, went to the cardiologist. This one that Linda's been going to, went to him, and he's a kind of he's a professor. He teaches like two or three days a week, and and he sees patients. So he gets us both in there, and he said, "Well, he said I was when the first vaccine came out. He said I just wasn't. I was determined. I wasn't going to do that vaccine. I'm not going to have them shoot me with that stuff." And uh, and he said, but then he said just very recently. I had two acquaintances that younger than I am, and this guy's probably in his mid-50s. He'd been, been the cardiologist, he said, 25, 30 years. But um, he said, uh, I had these two acquaintances, he said they're younger, and he said they had zero, no underlying health issues, and they both died. He said, so I've changed my mind on the vaccine. He said, I've decided to take it. That's a cardiologist. So he's got us both scheduled for a, a nuclear stress test and then an echocardiogram on me to check my bowels and make sure everything's functioning properly and ticking properly so that I don't, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment when I'm in the pulpit, you know, just really blasting, I just don't drop behind the pulpit. And y'all have a terrible experience. And some are over there saying, yes, you know, and no, I'm just kidding. Nobody would do that. But what I'm wanting us to see is um, the bigger picture here. And, I, and my heart, I hope, I hope I can communicate my heart to you. My heart is not to fan the flames of unrest. Okay? That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get us to see the importance from Scripture that even though, listen, if I shared and I'm not, if I shared the differences between my wife, the way she thinks and the way I think, if I shared those, you would say, oh, I just can't believe that. 
Well, believe it because it's true. We're in certain ways, certain things, we're as different as daylight and dark. And yet, the, the things that draw us together, it's, it's, a, it's all around Christ and the Word of God. It's all about Christ and the Word of God. And, and we may, I may think we're, we need to, well, I'll show you. She wants to have a regular garden, okay? We've new home, new yard, everything, regular garden. And I'm, I'm all into investigating container gardening. So I'm, I'm excited about the container. We did it last year. We grew quite a few tomatoes, but that was basically it. Nothing else really did well. But we've got a sprinkler system. We never had a sprinkler system. We've got a sprinkler system all in there. And I'm saying, how do you, how do you think about tilling? How do you do? I don't have a, a schematic. I don't know where all the pipes go. I've tried to pop them up and see where they all see. But I don't know. I'm thinking, I can just see me now running a tiller through there and breaking pipes and, you know, water shooting everywhere. I'm thinking, you know, the ray, the container garden, that's the way to go. So she's on one side of the fence. I'm on the other side of the fence. And so it looks like we're going to get to do both. And that's the success of 50 years plus marriage, y'all. You need to take note. Take note. She wants a, a regular garden. So somehow, some way, we're going to get a regular garden. But so, do y'all see, I'm trying to say through a funny way, that we're different. But I want us to ask the question, and there are a lot of ways to ask this question, but in this very strange and unprecedented time that we're living in, just the crazy, is this the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life? You know, uh, what would Jesus, how does Jesus want me to respond in this pandemic and in life and now with another president and all these different things. How does God want me to respond as an ambassador for Christ? So I'm going to use a couple of analogies and this guy over here, I'm going to blame him, Dwight Hewlin. I, went, I started to call you Dwight because he is the master at taking uh, the analogy of the family and, and turn it around so you could see truth. I mean, in our elders meeting when he was an elder, we would have things come up and he would say, well, now, like between the husband and wife, or like between the parents and the children. And he would share and we would sit there and say, Man, that's some good stuff, Dwight. He's the master. I, I almost gave him a call and said, just give us a slight little sample. But for the sake of time, I'm going to do that. So um, let's just start with the husband and wife. And again, this is not going to be near as good as he could do. But uh, And I'm sure he could, he, if you want to write some notes and add some things and hand it to me later, I'd, I'd really appreciate it because... Uh, it's, it, but the, let's just first take husbands and wives. So, and we have a lot of young ladies in our church and that are not married at this moment. God's just, that only, it's only takes that one. My wife always tells, God has one for you. 
It's not multiple choice, it's one. Don't, don't sweat and just wait and God will provide. But if young ladies and then newlyweds, those who have just recently gotten married, if you think for a moment that your future husband or your new, you just got married for the first time, your husband is going to always make decisions that you agree with 100% of the time. If you think every direction he wants to go, everything he wants to purchase, and everything he says no, let's don't purchase. I have a feeling sometimes that's more... Men say no, they should be saying more no than yes. But anyway, um, if you think it's going to be 100% the way you believe it should be, you've got another thing coming. Because it's, I can guarantee it, your husband is not going to lead 100% the way you think. He is, according to Ephesians 5, he is scripturally the head of the household, the head of the family. And the Bible makes that very clear. And the buck does stop with him. So there is a, there is a point where young ladies and wives have to trust God. And, and this is hard to say. And I know a lot of people, especially in today's world, they don't like to hear stuff like this. But you even have to follow the head of your house, the head of your home, even when he fails. And it's and it it is very and God and God will take that failure if he is a man of God and if he is really seeking the Lord. God will take that failure and teach him lessons so he doesn't fail consecutively in the same area. But there has to be a trust on the part of the wife in God working through her husband. <clears throat> and a godly husband will always be seeking the Lord, getting his marching orders from God, crying out to God for wisdom and direction and uh, and and we'll just and you'll see if you trust God you'll see God work through the husband and lead the family and you'll see there's there's blessing and benefit and there's just a lot of trust that you build up uh, over time as God conforms and changes and shapes uh, your husband and and the wife now, this is, we're talking about leadership, talking about leading a family and how a wife has to trust, even though they don't always, they don't always do it the way you think they should. Then parents and children, uh, as parents, and y'all are experiencing it, you know, as you begin to have these little ones toddling around and getting up and walking and all these different things, but then they you know, they get older and older, they start driving, and, and uh, as parents, I, I believe most of us could say there is a sacrifice on the part of the parents. 
to raise your children. You, you've sacrificed. You've sac I mean, even just, you know, just think about many times piano lessons, violin lessons, all the different lessons, uh, and all the different ways that you sacrifice financially. And you, you provide this for your children so they will be able to be good students. And so you pour your lives into them day after day, year after year, and you just keep investing in them. Now, some people, so I'm, I'm going to relate children and parents, and somebody said, well, I, I don't want to be compared to a child. I'm a member of the church. Well, then you, Jesus compared you to sheep. So we could go into the, all the analogies about sheep if you want to, and I can give you some real good, real good clues about animals. But, uh, you know, and my wife looked up just a few, uh, Psalm 79, 13, and John 21, 15, and Matthew 26, 31. There's so many about sheep. But I like the analogy of, of family operating and children. And so you sacrifice, you invest, you pour yourself into this. And it really encourages, and folks, I think you can identify with this, it really encourages parents when their, their children become teenagers and get a little bit older, close, closer to their 20s. And even though the older children don't agree with the parents' direction. Even though they do not agree, they think it should be done a different way or should go another way or be done differently. Even though they don't agree, they cheerfully follow their parents' leadership. And if you haven't experienced that and you get to you will really say amen to what I just said. When you have adults, basically, saying, I don't really think this is the right way, but I am under your authority, and I am going to follow you, and I'm going to not just follow you, I'm going to follow you cheerfully. And I'm going to trust God to use my parents to lead our family. And it's refreshing. It's refreshing. When, and that's happened to us. And it's just so refreshing. Uh, it, as we mature, I think we begin to recognize everybody's not going to agree on everything. But God has established a chain of command, if you will, a head, leaders, presidents and and he's established this and and to learn to follow god-given leadership and authority cheerfully is a real blessing and it and it just promotes it's it's actually contagious so let me say at this point on the idea of and again, I told you I'm going to say some things that may be uncomfortable. I do not intend for it to be uncomfortable. But on this subject of opening up the church just like it was before the pandemic hit. Okay? I have not talked to a single person 
that says, I like it. I hope we never change anything. I've, I've not heard anybody say that. I think everyone can agree. Well, we all liked it. And even one person said, you know, we probably took that for granted. What we had. We probably took it for granted. So. I just not talk to anybody that says, I just want to stay just like this forever till Jesus comes and let's don't do any, make any changes. But I can tell you this as strongly as some very strongly feel, open it up, no mask, and the whole thing. I can tell you and I can, and I can prove to you we have members that are and long-standing members that are just as adamant. Please, let's use caution here. This can get very dangerous. So, on one hand, we've got folks that are saying, "Open it up, just act like nothing's happened." And on the other hand, as one person said, "Absolutely not." So here we are as elders. Here we are as elders. And I've told several of you, <clears throat> we, I pastor everybody. I'm the pastor of everybody. I'm, a, I'm the pastor of the ones that say, absolutely not, not now. And I'm the pastor of those that say, open it up. Let the mass be optional. I told you this could be uncomfortable, didn't I? But on the survey, this, i got to share this with you, and I won't share a name. But when we did the survey back when, this came in on the survey. And I, I didn't write it down word for word, but I was so excited about it, I'll never forget it. This came in, and this is the response to one of the questions on the survey. And this is what I'm saying. If you think about it, Parents invest, you know, sacrifice, put everything you can into it. Here we are at the church, 35 years, uh, almost. Um, invest, bring in great speakers, missionaries. I mean, over the year, we poured so much into the teaching and preaching of God's Word here at this church. Tried to give the very best. But here was a response on the survey that almost made me turn into a charismatic. And it said something like this. I have placed, or we have placed, our family under the leadership of the elders at North Belt Baptist Church. And I am trusting God through them to lead our church. And so they didn't even offer an opinion one way or the other. They said, I am under the authority and I voluntarily placed myself there and trusting God to use them. And I'm telling you what, I, I thought, man, that, that was refreshing to think that somebody young 
would have that kind of insight and that kind of response to say, I'm really trusting God to use the elders. So all this truth that we poured into this church, we just, we just are praying that believers that we know should be mature, that believers that are, should be deeper in the Lord, that have been exposed to more spiritual truth, and they've, they've done more Bible studies, and they've heard more preaching than a lot of people. Our prayer is that with all of that teaching and all of that opportunity to hear the Word of God, that we would not miss the very basic, the very basic, simple truths of God's Word like endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Something so, so profound, so, so, such a part. And, and Pastor Joe here a few weeks ago preached a message on things that are important. I think it was at the end of last year. Things that are important to God. Well, you do a Bible study and you look it up and I guarantee you, you'll find that being of one accord and the topic of unity is very high on God's priority list. You will, you will see it very clearly that even though we may not agree, but we know God wants His family, His church, to be one spirit, one body, one mind, one voice. Be unified, strong. See, Satan's plan is divide and conquer, and he will use anything. He will use anything. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. We wouldn't miss some basics like don't gossip. And what about over a year ago when we talked about for a whole month we, we went into Israel and how they murmured in the wilderness and Kadesh Barnea and all these different things, the murmuring. Don't murmur. See, these are, ba these are basic things. These are things that, that believers that are mature in Christ, we ought to know this by now. We ought to have this one down by now. We ought to be tackling bigger fish than this. So, we can't ignore these truths. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit of the bond of peace. Our, uh, our new president made an appeal. I didn't hear it. Somebody asked me, said, were you going to listen to the inauguration? No. I have other things to do. But I heard talk about it, what it, what it was. It is call for unity. Well, may I just give, I'm just going to exercise my First Amendment right and just say this is my opinion. I really, our nation is more divided right now than I've ever in my lifetime ever seen. We are divided. And I'm going to tell you this, my personal opinion is I don't believe 
that we're going to get more united because Joe Biden's president. Because you see, it's not just a party. It's a platform. And when you can agree on one side of the platform, that one platform, Democratic platform, that abortion is okay, and what Roe versus Wade, the anniversary, and I think I saw a number of 62 million babies since Roe versus Wade have been killed. 62 million. You see, you can call for unity all day long. I'm not going to change my view on abortion. I'm not going to change my view on smaller government. I'm not going to change my view on taxes. So they're just think I'm not going to bud. I'm not he can stand there and call for unity all day long, but I'm not I'm not changing because I, it is the core. And there are those that have been brainwashed for so many years now into thinking that America is bad. America is evil. Antifa destroy. They don't care which uh, Democrat or Republican. They don't care. They're out to destroy America. And so. So we've we've got something going on here that's relatively it's been steaming and stagnating and growing over years, but now it's manifesting itself. So I don't see unity in the country. But I can I can tell you, I, I do see unity in the church, even though we have views on one side and views on the other. I, I declare on the authority of the word of God, we can be united strong. One voice, one heart. Taking steps, just like a military outfit, walking together in cadence together, we can be together and still have differing views on the particulars. But we, we can agree on the authority of the Word of God in my life. We can agree that this is the absolute truth. And we can agree that God wants His church strong, not weak. He wants to pour Himself in. And listen, if we're involved, listen, I, I know we've read this, but I just, I want to read it again because we just need to be reminded. Look back again at uh, Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. And I'm going to try to make a point that we just have to be careful when we're talking about our side of the whatever we believe in, that we're not that we don't become guilty of doing what the scripture's talking about here. Okay? So Proverbs 6, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Pretty strong Hebrew word. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, all these things God hates, 
and he that soweth discord among brethren. He that soweth discord among brethren. Well, I, I just looked up what John MacArthur said about discord, and he's, he had a footnote that said, it is a sin of strife, of dissent, are creating conflict intentionally. It's a sin of strife, dissent, are creating conflict intentionally. Now the scripture in Proverbs 15, 18 says this, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Proverbs 16, 28, a froward man soweth stripe, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Folks, this is where I'm going to share my heart with you. And again, we've already established, we know there are different views on different things. But may I just make an appeal to you when you are expressing your view, please be very, very careful that you're not separating chief friends. Because normally when we talk about this stuff, we're, we're trying to convert. It's just like years ago, I've told you the story of Linda and I, early married, hadn't been married long. I was still a police officer in Houston. Um, you know, the charismatics were going really big time that day and time, and they wanted to take her to a meeting, and she went, and they're, and they're constantly just trying to get you to speak in tongues. I mean, that was their whole agenda. They, they were trying to make a convert in speaking in tongues. And every, every conversation, every conversation it was trying, and it wasn't, it wasn't helping anything. It was actually creating more division. And that's, that's all I'm trying to say to you. When you start talking about your strong view over the issues of the day, please be careful. Please be careful that you're not being used to create strife in the body. Because you're either trying, why are you doing it? Are you trying to convert somebody or trying to get somebody to agree with you? You're trying to convert them over to your way of thinking? I mean, and, and again, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I don't see it, but I get reports from time to time of some things of members of this church have put on Facebook. And it just breaks my heart. The stuff that people, you know, it's, it's like trying to prove a point. So what? And listen, I've, I'm not, I don't have my head totally in the sand. I know what the conspiracy, what people are saying, and I've seen this. I've read it. The mask is one step before the chip in the forehead. The mask is one step before the chip in the forehead. I've seen that in print. And so, I don't know if any of y'all remember Y2K. Anybody live long enough to remember Y2K? Y'all still have a bunch of camping stuff you bought during that? Huh? 
I mean, I can remember watching the clock get close to 12, and I, and I, I can remember thinking, oh, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? This is going to be it. You know, this is it. That's what everybody's telling me. This is it. You know, and I sat there, my heart was racing. Don, 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 don. And I'm saying, you know, we didn't take this too seriously. We went out, we did, we treated kind of like our five-day hurricane, you know. We had a little bit of water, a little bit of tuna, you know. But I, I got to think and I said, you know, if this thing lasts six months, we don't have enough. I didn't buy enough. But you know what? I know some people that have a lot of camping stuff still on hand. And I think they sold it at a garage sale cheap because they were told this is the end. It's coming. And I thought my lights flickered. I, I'm, I know they flickered. But my heart was more, 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 more. And then the lights flickered. Oh, this is it. Hold on. But uh, so, I mean, some of this stuff, you just have to be careful, people. But when you're trying to promote your side, don't sow strife and separate. A whisper separate the chief friends. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. And then this one. This one is so powerful. And I, I'm going to say something about this. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. May I just appeal to your conscience? As the pastor been here a long time, and I hear people talk, would it concern you that members could be saying, and I'm not going to, I'm just saying, and I've, I've heard I just soon stay home and watch live stream rather than come and fight it out up there. That just breaks my heart. To think because of the contention or the disagreement that people would say, I don't want to go be a part. I want to stay home. And, and I know prophets, y'all are going to say, well, that's their problem. No, if people are staying home because of me, that's my problem. That's my problem. And if they're staying home because of you, that's your problem. So, a brother offended. So we're going to have to think, you know, okay, you can talk to me about it all day long, you're not going to change my mind. And I've had people text and send stuff. You know what? I'm, I'm, no, I'm no closer to your view today than I was the day you sent the text. I know some of you, Julie, you're looking at me like, he's actually doing text? Yeah, I finally learned. I did. But, so I'm no closer. But I can tell you this, I have seen firsthand now the, the danger and the, and the heart, heartaches. And we're here, Clint and Julie, in their circle of family, and for, they know of seven deaths. Seven. We're talking seven people. I saw today, uh, you know, I've, all, I've said it a long time ago. I said, uh, when these numbers start having names on them, it's going to mean more to us. And, you know, you see the crosses on the side of the road, and a lot of times there's nothing, just a cross and some flowers. Today I saw a cross on the side of the road 
It had a name. It had a girl's name. And that, all of a sudden, that just really hit me. That was somebody's daughter. That was somebody's loved one. And she died in that spot in a car wreck. Now, folks, it's just not worth offending. Are we going to do everything exactly the way you want? No, probably not. But we're not going to operate out of fear because we're not going to please everybody. And we haven't pleased everybody. And we're not going to be able to please everybody. But I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John 17. Real fast, we're getting close to the end. John 17, you're still here, you're still able to breathe. And I'm still breathing too, by the way. We'll find out more next month when I have that nuclear stress test, how well I'm breathing. You ought to read this John 17 totally. You ought to just take the time this week to read it. That could be your homework assignment. But just just a couple of verses here. Uh, Verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And um, 14, I have given them thy word and thy word hath of the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And I pray I've got this word circled in my Bible. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. That was the prayer, not to be taken out of the world, but you would be protected from evil. Um, Aaron sent me, a, and I've got, I want to read one more here. But uh, Aaron sent me a text this week, and uh, he said he had heard Dr. Stanley, some sermons on Dr. Stanley, and uh, um, it was something like, you can only learn certain things about God in the darkness. It's only one way to learn certain things about God is when you're in the darkness. And I I told my wife, I said, I kind of like saying it like this. They're just things in the valley that you're going to learn that you probably wouldn't learn on the mountaintop. So folks, as the message was given here a few weeks ago, COVID... 19 struck and we missed it. Let's get the truths that God's trying to teach us. And 21 of that chapter, I want to read it to you. That they all may be one. This is Jesus in the high priestly prayer. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe 
that thou hast sent me, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That goes so well with John 13, 34, and 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. In conclusion, and I say that very carefully, in conclusion, I think strife and contention and division is the biggest detriment to a church's evangelistic program that Satan has at his finger at his disposal. Division, contention, strife, sowing seed. I think that is because that the world may know that you sent me and that all may know that you're my disciples by the love that we have one for another. You see, it's important that the lost people know that we love each other, that we're in unity together. We don't see eye to eye on everything, but we stand as one. We are shoulder to shoulder. We are, we are standing on the promises, the truth of God's word. And you know, when you're a family, struggle seems to draw you closer together. When you're a family, and I, I heard last week, and Gene, I comment on your prayer last week when you prayed. Uh, Dan commented on it. And very, we were listening, watching, but very specifically, Gene said, and after he'd prayed around, and thank you for our church. And thank you for our church. I sat there and just tears just streamed down my face. Because that's that. That was a powerful prayer meeting last week. Roger, your prayers. Powerful prayer meeting. Listen, folks, we're all going through, a lot of people are going through really, really hard times. And I think it's time, I think it's time we take a stand against Satan, against his devices, against his lies, against his deceit. And we're going to agree on masks? Nah. We're going to keep wearing them in and out the building here? Yep, till the Lord changes that. That's just the way it is. But can you stand with me? Can you stand with me on unity, on oneness in spirit, the church standing together, strong, shoulder to shoulder, trusting God to work? Listen, there are lost people out there. They need to hear the gospel. They need to know that Jesus saves. They need to hear. They need to see a church in love with each other. They need to hear these kind of prayers that we heard last week. Praying for each other. Agonizing for each other. Our, the struggles that we're going through. They need to know that we are human. That we've got problems. We've got things going on in our family. The Fethentons with their son. All these different things. Hard things. Difficult things. Until you're walking in those shoes, you really don't know how hard. But I challenge you, church, I challenge you to stand united. Please, on the authority of the Word of God, let's stand together against the enemy 
because his goal is to see us splintered. Listen, I pastored one church and I said, well, how did this church get started? Oh, well, we got started because we didn't believe in passing the offering plate and we were part of a church that did pass the offering plate, so we split. What? You mean you started a brand new church because of an offering plate? Listen, people, we have got to get over this. This is difficult time. This is not easy. And, and, and I'm not making excuses for the leadership, but I'm telling you, this is not easy for us. And I just ask you to pray for us. Pray for us. Don't talk about us. Don't criticize us. Pray for us. If you've got something to say to us, say it to us. Amen? Well, there you go. Let's stand in unity. And we're going to have closing prayer and Keith is going to come and he's going to lead us with his left arm. No, I'm just kidding. You know, you're the second casualty that we've heard of in the last six months falling off ladders. So um, I would just admonish you to watch out when you step up on a ladder. Of course, I nearly tripped on the sidewalk here this morning. I was coming up and some guys were, we were saying howdy and everything, and I was kind of feeling my way along, and they're going to be checking me for neuropathy also because both my parents had neuropathy, and, and I, now I'm, I'm kind of experiencing some of that feeling, and no feeling, actually. And so I, I stumbled over the sidewalk out there, and I said, boy, that would be a great start. Come in and fall down, slap dab right on the concrete my first Sunday back. But listen, folks, we can stand together in agreement that God's Word is true, and he wants us to be one spirit, one body, representing the oneness that Jesus has with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Let's don't give in to the ploy, the lies, the deceit of the devil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for a pulpit that we can preach and proclaim truth and not be afraid or ashamed. But Lord, we know how, how important unity in the body is to you. And we know how, over the ages, how Satan has splintered the church over carpet, over missionaries, over doctrines. And God, I pray that we would be beyond that, that our maturity level would far exceed that. That, Lord, that you would have your way and your will in our hearts, that it would be a heart thing. We would repent. If you've pointed out areas where we've been talking to other people and criticizing and trying to get a following, Lord, I pray we'd repent. We'd turn away from that. We'd turn to you and allow you to lead us and direct us in the days ahead. We ask you for your wisdom because all of us need your wisdom in these unprecedented times. Pray for the lost, that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that's never accepted Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation for them. They'd come to Jesus knowing that he's the only way to be saved. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't be baptized enough times to get to heaven. You just have to place your faith in the finished work of Calvary in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we trust you now to do a great work and accomplish your will. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.